Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It is Tuesday, which means we're going to come at you with some handicapping, with some picks, hopefully make you some money. I'm Scott Pianowski, your co-host, and I'm joined by our NFL behemoth, just a man of words, a man of analysis, a man of volume, Mr. Frank Schwab. We'll get to Frank in a minute. Before we get to our show, let's just talk about a couple of pre-show businesses we have to get taken care of. Don't like the way your fantasy season started, or maybe you, you love the way your season started. You want to make a little more coin this year or you put some more fantasy trophies on the mantle you can still sign up for yahoo fantasy football league over at sports.yahoo.com slash fantasy and we're all looking to make better decisions we're all looking to save time and great way to do that is to sign up for yahoo fantasy plus which is one of our premium offerings you can get a free seven-day trial get all sorts of goodies there. there's andy barron's newsletter all these great bells and whistles again it's going to save you time you're going to make better decisions so give yahoo fantasy plus a try yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus like to see you over there without further ado mr schwab hello good to see you back scott I, i'm you know what i had one of my worst week ones ever last week i'm blaming dalton i i'm just you know since he had to pinch hit for you last week on the show i just put all the blame on him just giving me bad uh bad juju for all my picks because i i, I can't honestly i've been looking forward to this i can't wait to talk to you because you're going to have to tell me, okay, what was real in week one? What was not? What did I just get wrong and need to jump off some bandwagons? What do I need to be patient with that this was a one-week anomaly? This is what we do after every week one, but this week in particular, week one just confused me. I'm ready to reset for week two and let's get it going. Yeah, it drove me crazy to see underdogs, depending on what your closing lines were, underdogs went something like 11 and five or 12 and four in week one. And my entire premise of handicapping is when, if you're not convinced of the favorite, take the points. And so I was eight and eight in one contest, nine and seven in your contest. My dart picks went two and three, which always drives me bananas. I, I still think the Patriots should have beaten Miami, but they don't ask me what I think. They just go by the final score. It's kind of a pesky thing that they do. But when underdogs clean up and I don't clean up, it makes me angry because I feel like I'm an underdog me guy. Me too. And I just came out in week one. I just I, I I look back at some of the rationale I had on games. Like, you know, the Saints were really up against it. The whole being displaced by the hurricane, getting a home game basically taken away from them, having to break in Jameis, no Michael Thomas. I, I You know, Sean Payton started slow before. I really thought my thought process was right on a lot of these games. And then it just didn't come to pass. And I, you just got to wonder, you know, is this a one-week thing? Are the Packers terrible? Like, are, are the Titans terrible? I, I don't know. We're, we're definitely, uh, you know, we, we got to figure it out quick because – you know, there, there's week two games I want to bet on. Man, I think Chandler Jones just got another sack while you were talking. Ooh. That's why you don't trade Arizona. that guy. That, you know, I know he, he had the trade request and everybody's like, oh, where's Chandler Jones going to go? And Arizona was like, no, no, we need to win this year to keep our jobs. I think Chandler Jones is going to help us at that. Yeah, I'll tell you where he's going to go. The Tennessee backfield where he spent most of the game. Ooh. Let's get into this week two slate and get some winners out there to the good people. And as usual, our odds are courtesy of our friends over at BetMGM, one of the greatest places you can bet on in several states. I don't know where it's legal and where it isn't. It is legal in Michigan. so And Colorado. And uh, Colorado. So we, we know where we're, you know, one of our earliest uh, punches up in the morning is checking out what's going on at BetMGM. They've given us the odds for this week. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the three island games first. Then we're going to go through the Sunday games that we find most interesting. And then our speed round will be everything we don't cover in those two groups. Let's face it, everybody's going to watch the Island games. You might want to have a couple of bucks on them. 
And I think there's a great opportunity Thursday night. We have the Giants at the WFT. Football team is minus three. Total is set in the low side, 40.5. I know there's a quarterback change in Washington, okay? But Ryan Fitzpatrick, look, he wasn't Dan Marino. It wasn't Joe Theismann. I mean, he was a good journeyman player. Maybe Taylor Heineke can be some semblance of that. I still like the skill talent on the WFT. I still think this is an excellent defense. And other than a few Sterling Shepard highlights, I don't know what the Giants did well in week one. I think the FT, I think they they lost a reasonable game against a good Chargers team. I don't think they covered themselves in shame or anything. I think Washington gets back in the spot, wins convincingly. It's going to be one of my five darts of the week. Give me the WFT minus three. Uh, Absolutely. I I mean, I I hate to start the, you know, our show here with kind of something that's going to sound very hot takey, but I, it's a legitimate question. Are we positive that Daniel Jones is better than Tyler Haneke? Are really like I, I don't know. Like as I sit here today, which quarterback would you rather have? I I thought Heineke looked pretty good last week. He he, you know, coming in cold, which is always tough. You don't take the snaps with the starters during the week. I I thought he he played just fine. He played a, a good solid game. We all saw what he did in the playoffs last year. And meanwhile, you know, Giants were one of the underdogs I was on as kind of a contrarian play. And I'm watching the Giants, you know, on the big screen where I'm at because the Broncos are on. And I'm just saying, Daniel Jones doesn't have it. I I, I was trying to be patient with him. You know, you talk about, you know, he had a lot of negative regression type of deals last year that I thought were going to bounce back this year, giving him some time. And then I'm just watching it. It just, he doesn't have it. it. There's just no juice there. I thought this Giants offense was bad. Saquon's obviously just not where he needs to be yet. And I think this Washington defense is going to be the best unit on the field by far. And I, I again, it, it, this line has probably come down a little bit to the field goal because of the quarterbacks. But are we positive Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in this game? I don't think he is. I, 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 at least you could make an argument that by the end of the year we're going to be saying, yeah, Heineke is just as good as Jones, if not better. So, yeah, Washington was an easy one for me. I've already, I've already got a bet down on this. I, and this is, yeah, like you said, you, you know, you do your dart throws. I, I do top five we're doing. And I, Washington's going to be on all of that because I, I don't know why this game is a field goal. I have no faith in the Giants right now. Yeah, I'm getting in on this early, too, because I think if anything, the line's going to go up. So let, let's try to get in on the WFT early. Remember, too, for what it's worth, Heineke was the one quarterback who gave the Buccaneers fits in their championship run last Absolutely. year. I mean, they went through Breeze. They went through Rodgers. They went through Mahomes and, and a very bad Kansas City offensive line at that point. It was Heineke who gave the Buccaneers their best scare. I don't think it's a big drop-off. I think we, we start off the, the week right. We win some money on Thursday night. Great Sunday night game. Okay, We got the Chiefs minus three and a half at the Ravens. Uh, these teams kind of went opposite directions. The Chiefs pulled it out late. The Ravens found a way to lose a game. They probably should have won late. What do you make of the Chiefs and Ravens? A 55-point total, by the way, for the Sunday night game. Yeah, when, when this line came out, I, you know, on Monday mornings, I'm taking a look at the, the early lines for week two. And the Chiefs were minus two and a half. And I said, because I liked the Raiders yesterday. I liked the money line there. I said, you know, if the Raiders win this game, it's going to push above a field goal. And sure it did. And I thought the Ravens, look, the Ravens didn't play bad. I really don't think they did. I thought that through three and a half quarters, I was like, you know, the, the Raiders can't move the ball. They're they're not going to put together a drive. And I thought the Ravens just wore out for whatever reason. You know, the defense for the last eight, ten minutes of over, uh, of the fourth quarter and then all of overtime was just a different defense. I, I thought that – I don't think the Raiders necessarily figured them out. I, I just think that they got tired. But then you go, you know, on a short week, you got to go play the Chiefs. The Chiefs bounced back last week after a slow start against the Browns. I, I think the Chiefs are just the right play here. The Ravens have a lot of injuries. They're, they're still figuring things out. Tyson Williams had the nice run early and then kind of disappeared from the game. Mark Andrews was nowhere to be found. I, th- I thought Marquise Brown played pretty well. Your guy Sammy Watkins had a couple big catches. But I still think this Ravens team is – they're going to be figuring it out for a while. I love Harbaugh. I think he's a top-five NFL head coach, obviously. But I just don't think this is the best spot for them. I'm on the Chiefs. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win this one. I'm glad I got it at less than a field goal. But I still think there's value there, even at three and a half. I don't feel quite as confident in it. But give me the Chiefs. I think that just you know the short week and the injuries. I just don't love the Ravens in this spot. It's a lean right now. And, and look, I'll be honest. We're taping this on Tuesday. A lot of my picks are going to be leans because I'm still going to be crunching. I haven't watched, rewatched every game right. yet. I'm still looking through trends and, and all sorts of stuff. But. If the Ravens are getting three and a half at home, does this mean this would be a nine and a half point spread in Kansas City? I, is there really that much difference That's between a great these point. teams? I still believe in the Baltimore infrastructure. I, I still believe in Harbaugh as a coach. I know they, they had, you could argue, the worst summer when it came to just negative news, just injuries left and right. They had two guys suffer season-ending non-contact injuries on the same day on Thursday uh, with one of their defensive backs and obviously with Gus Edwards. But 
I'm just going to bet on the infrastructure. And also the Chiefs have been – they've had a covering, covering problem. They have not been they covering have. numbers for almost a, what, almost a full season now. So I, I'm just going to have to take the home dog, hope that they get a little extra juice. Baltimore has traditionally been one of the teams. Even when home field advantage has been wavering in recent years, they've still held their home field advantage pretty well. So the lean is to the Ravens. I resume, you know, reserve the right to change my mind between now and kickoff. I don't love the shape of their offense. But you know what else I don't love? As much as well, Kelsey's out already in the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned, and Tyreek Hill is not far behind, and Patrick Mahomes, I think, is unequivocally the best player in football. This Chiefs team really needs another option. I, it, it's scary to think they could have drafted DeAndre Swift instead, instead of Edwards Hilaire. They could have drafted so many different receivers other than, than McCole Hardman. I know they weren't sure of Hill's status at the point. Maybe they went for the speedster. I mean, what if DK Metcalf was on this team? <laughs> And I know drafting's hard. You can do this with almost every team in the NFL, other than the Steelers, who seem to have the wide receiver answer key. It feels like skill position players can be really hard to draft. But I think at some point, if Kelsey gets stinged up, he'll get stinged up because they're so hard to cover. If they lose one of those guys, I think we're going to realize just how much the depth of this offense is just screaming for another playmaker. They don't have it right now. So I just file that in the back of your mind. My lean is going to be the Ravens for now. Let's look at the final Island game, man, Green Bay. I, I can't think of any other team presumed to be good that did less in week one than the Packers. Yeah. They looked like they just met before the game started and the Saints kicked the living tar out of them. It's one of those questions of, is are the Saints that good? Are the Packers this bad? Is it just one of those uh, unusual finishes, unusual games that we just have to throw out? Uh, we know what the Lions did. They played like garbage for about two and a half hours and they, they, put themselves in the garbage time hall of fame the rest of the day and almost covered depending on what your line is they may have covered so it's the monday night game the lions at packers packers 10 and a half point favorites it's a 48.5 total i get to think the packers if there's anything left in this packers team if they have a run in them this year i get to figure they flush it all out the extra day of prep helps them and they just spank the living tar out of the lions i i, I don't like generally with the double digit spread i almost always want to take the points but I can't give up on the Packers yet. And the Lions really didn't show me much. Whatever. They, they did some stuff in the fourth quarter. I, I don't care about that. So I don't like swallowing 10 and a half points, but that's what I'm prepared to do. Yeah, I, it's not a line I love. Let's put it that way. And I think that I mean, we're not, you know, we're not talking, we're not really analyzing the Lions here. I think anybody who pays much attention knew how that game went against San Francisco. They were terrible. They were getting blown out. Like you said, at the two minutes left in the game, they're down 24 points. And it's somehow miraculously cover the nine point closing spread, but they weren't good. And I don't think it will be good. Losing Jeff Okuda is really not, you know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire, but he is a former third pick of the draft and he has a lot of talent. And now he's done for the season. It's not great when you're going against Devontae Adams. I don't know though. I, I'm I'm worried about this Packers team just because they were so bad. I don't want to overreact. You know, week two is the week to go against the overreactions. But this line really isn't. What would is? I don't know what the look ahead line was, but it it probably was about this. It's not like we're getting some discount on the Packers because they look so bad in week one, and we have to at least ask ourselves. Why did they look so bad? Why, you know, the Saints are, I don't think the Saints are going to end up being that great this season. They don't strike me as some 13 win team, but they were, the Packers were just terrible in this game. Offensively, they, they had, they just had nothing. They had nothing going. Rodgers looked a step slow on everything. He made some bad reads, bad turnovers, which you usually don't see from him. Aaron Jones was nowhere to be found. And then I'm worried. I'll say you're probably right. I'll probably take the Packers at the end of the day because I have no trust in the Lions. And I think the Packers are going to want to come back and, and, you know, atone for what they did in week one. But look, if we're sitting here on Tuesday morning saying, yeah, even if the, it's like, wow, the Packers barely squeaked that one out against the Lions. That's not good. I think we're we're then talking about how good really is this Packers team, and is there anybody in NFC North who can even take advantage of it? It's it was it was a if you have any interest in the Green Bay Packers, with, you know, future bets on Super Bowl overs, whatever. This was a frightening game because they just looked like that team. That wow, they this isn't the team we expected this year. They looked they honestly looked terrible. Do you have an angle on how to bet the NFC North? All four teams lost. Oh. Uh, you know, the Bears didn't show much Sunday night. The Rams are pretty good. Obviously, uh, the, the Lions are in a rebuild mode. Uh, the Vikings found a way to lose to a Cincinnati team that did look improved. I was in on the on the um, I'm sorry on the Minnesota angle a couple months yeah. ago, and then I backed off that with with just some of the things that were coming out of their camp. 
So I just thought, okay, maybe the Packers just have one more run in them. But with every team starting off 0-1 and nobody feeling that good about themselves now, I, I don't know if this is a buying opportunity or just you throw up your hands and don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I, I still am leading Minnesota. Just as you know, as far as value goes, I think if we're picking in a vacuum, I go Packers. But with, with you know, I took I, I punched a ticket on the Minnesota Vikings winning the division at their odds. But you know, I, I thought that they they just look kind of sluggish. They didn't really you know, and and maybe it goes back to you know, a lot of people have pointed out a lot of these you know low vaccinated rate teams who had all this stuff going on and positive tests and all that going on in August. Didn't come out of the gate very well. The Colts, another one. The Bills. I mean, it's. I don't know if there's anything to it, but you at least have to to you know have it in the back of your mind if you're going to go betting on the NFC North and who's going to win it. The Bears, I thought, looked terrible. I thought, I thought the Bears were one of the surprise teams. Just you know, running around in the defensive secondary like like they had never practiced before, like you said. And then Andy should not be starting. Like that's just ridiculous that he's starting over Justin Fields. So I, I guess. You know, the odds probably still tell me the Vikings are the value, but I don't have any faith right now, right now as we sit here in any of these four teams. You talked about how the Bills are a tough team to get a handle on. Let's switch to some of the marquee games on Sunday. Buffalo, man, I, I, shocker. I don't think Pittsburgh even did all that much that great. The defense played well. I thought the, the offense was very old and sluggish, but they found a way to take care of the Bills. Now the Bills have to go to Miami. It can be a p- tough place to play in September with yeah, the heat and all that. Down. Buffalo spotting three and a half points. It's a 47.5 over under. What do you make? This is really important divisional game in week two. What do you make of the Bills and Dolphins? Yeah, well, I mean, what if the Bills are 0-2 coming out of this game? I, I, in a season that I picked them to win the Super Bowl, well, they were everybody's popular pick to win the Super Bowl, right? And Josh Allen was my pick, you know, it was my best bet, I guess, to win MVP. And boy, I, I don't know what to make of that game because on one hand, I say, look, Pittsburgh played a great game on defense. That that Pittsburgh defense is really, really good. I mean, they're they're going to be a top five defense this year. T.J. Watt was back and he looked like he, you don't need training camp, you know, example number, you know, 4,286. Like he, he didn't play at all in training, practice at all in training camp, didn't play at all in preseason. And he looked just great. And Minka Fitzpatrick might make a run at defensive player of the year. So I, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense played incredible, but at the same time, we can't just let Josh Allen off the hook. We can't just say, well, the Pittsburgh's great and he's going to be fine. I, I thought he looked, uh, did he regress? I, I mean, are we seeing like some, you know, the plexiglass p- principle where he's, you know, he had such an unbelievable jump last year that maybe he comes back to earth a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there yet with him, but I want to see him play better this week. I, I'm going to go the Bills because I just can't, I, I can't ditch him yet. I, I think that the Dolphins, great win for the Dolphins in week one. But like you alluded to, you you were high on the Patriots. Uh, they didn't outplay the Patriots in that game. They really didn't. They played fine. They played a good game. They deserved to win. It wasn't one of those real, you know, fake wins where you know a team gets out game by two hundred yards or anything. But I mean, if you, at the end of the game, if you ask me who should have won that game, who was a better team on the field, I might say the Patriots. You know, Damian Harris fumbles at the nine yard line. I, you know, what can you do about that? I thought the Dolphins looked okay. I, I think they're a team that's a little bit undervalued, especially because of Tua, and I think he's undervalued. But I almost I almost feel like I have to take the Bills in this game because otherwise, what am I doing? I picked this team to win the Super Bowl, and then what? I'm, I'm going to be basically picking them to go 0-2 to start the season. I, I got to give them one more week. I, I just can't I can't jump off the, uh, that bandwagon yet. My lean is with Buffalo, too. I, I really would feel better if, the, if I get down to a three or a two and a half or something like that. But I still struggle with, I don't really know what to make of the Miami offense. Uh, Miles Gaskin is a nice player. Tua obviously had every toy possible at Alabama, and he's going to have, they'll they'll get Will Fuller back this week. You would think he's got some really nice toys in this passing game. I was underwhelmed by what they did against, albeit a good New England defense. I thought the Patriots had the better of the game. You're right. The Patriots didn't dominate. It wasn't one of these, oh, my God, Miami had no right winning this game. But I thought the key stats and metrics that you look at did have a New England lean to them. But, New Flores is, in fact, in the in past years, you would have thought that's a game the Patriots never lose, right? Um, never, but maybe yeah. maybe Brian Flores is going to be one of these coaches who they can outkick their their coverage with with Pythagorean or with metrics because they do a lot of the little things well. You know, for, for once uh, an apple fell from the Belichick tree and actually tastes pretty good. I'm leaning Buffalo. We'll see how I feel at the end of the week. We'll see if there's any line movement there. Certainly going to be a game I think we we need to watch closely and try to learn as much as we can. Let's talk about the Cowboys and the Chargers. Look, I thought the Cowboys had a 
there's no moral victories in the NFL, but I mean, man, they gave Tampa Bay all they could handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it helped that you know Chris Godwin fumbled at the two yard line. There's some other giveaways on the Tampa Bay side, but Dak looked really good after a summer where I'm not sure what to expect from Dak. The Chargers are fresh off a decent win on the road, early body clock time against a, a decent, I think anyway, WFT team. Chargers are spotting three and a half in this game. Total is 54.5. My first instinct is to take the Cowboys. They come in rested. I really like what the offense showed. I'm still not sure the Chargers have a home field advantage yet. I mean, they've always been the second team in L.A. since both teams moved there. It wasn't that long ago that you would see games where the the crowd was almost exclusively for the road team. We would think the Cowboy fans would travel well, whatever whatever our crowd means. But I thought Dallas played a pretty good game against Tampa Bay. They just didn't win it. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say the Chargers should be spotting this much wood against a team that I respect. So I'm going to take the points. At least that's how I stand right now. What say you? Yeah, I, I mean, if it's one of those games where I, I can't sit here and tell you I have a strong opinion either way. If the line was minus two and a half, I take Chargers. It's over three. I'll take the Cowboys. I think it's just going to be a close game. Like you said, kind of win in doubt, take the points. That's kind of where I'm at with this game. I thought Dak did look good. You know, physically, I, I don't know if he was 100%. There were a couple throws that you're like, hmm, I wonder if that injury is still kind of bothering him a little bit. But he's, I'll give Dak credit. I think he's mastered the mental side of the game so well that he could kind of get by without his best stuff. I, you know, he's, it, you know, maybe to use a baseball pitcher analogy, he might be throwing, you know, 92 mile an hour fastballs now instead of 96, but he knows how to place them. He knows, he knows where to go with the ball and, and that offense. He knows he has playmakers that can do the job. I mean, CD Lamb looked incredible in that game. Amari Cooper was phenomenal. They got, they got dudes. And I think Ezekiel's going to get going this week because it's a little bit better matchup. I, Lee and the Cowboys, especially you know, at over a field goal. If it goes, if this line changes again, goes back under a field goal, I might change my mind. But this is kind of one of those games. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. Maybe the over is the way to go because I think this is. Yeah, I think both of these teams have just decided. You know what? 2021 is not a run game NFL anymore. Let's just pass. What? Why waste downs on on running the ball when we're not going to get much? When we have these great quarterbacks, these great skill position guys, we could pass the ball every single down if we want. I think both of these teams. I think we're going to see you know, both teams get up maybe around 45, 50 attempts. I, I just think that the. I think especially the Cowboys in last week and the Chargers all season are going to play this game of you know, we don't have a great running game. Let's let our quarterback do the heavy lifting here. I was really encouraged at Kellen Moore, rather than just run Zeke into the teeth of the Tampa Bay defense yeah. and watch him gain two yards, said, no, 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 we, we have to play a different style. And they kind of made Zeke a secondary option. I think Zeke would ultimately be fine. But I thought they were smart not to – look, there's a brick wall here. The, yeah. the Tampa Bay interior, their defense is outstanding. And so I thought they were really smart. I was actually shocked that Austin Eckler didn't catch any passes for the Chargers. I, mean, I thought that was going to be one of the things they would hang their hat on. So from fantasy tent, I want to see if that changes. But uh, this should be a fun game, and I agree with you. I think the winner is going to have to score 30-plus points in this game, probably a game as big as the total is. I would still lean over that total. Let's take a look at the 49ers and the Eagles. Now, San Francisco, I thought they played three, maybe three-and-a-half great quarters, and they mailed in the end game against Detroit. So maybe you covered with them, maybe you didn't. The Eagles went to Atlanta and just laid waste to a Falcons team that I, I think a lot of people already are saying, man, is this going to be a lookout below season for the Falcons? They they did right. just about nothing right in that game. So the Niners are on the road. Once again, they're a favorite. They're spotting three and a half points to Philadelphia. We got a 49.5 over under. What's your lean on this game? I, it's one of the, you know, after week one, we always have to ask these questions. Was 32 to six because Philadelphia is really good or because Atlanta is really bad? And I, as we sit here, I almost think it's because Atlanta's really bad, but I have to at least open my mind to the the fact that the you know the Eagles look great. Jalen Hurts looked wonderful. They they ran the ball. They played defense. They were healthy. Maybe it's just, you know, Doug Peterson turned into a bad coach by the end. Maybe it's just an upgrade, just getting rid of him. I, it's you know, it's weird to say that about a Super Bowl coach, but it, it was the truth. The Eagles did not play well under him last year. They look great. I don't know what to make of it. I, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna take the 49ers even as a road favorite here, just because they can really score. I this team is gonna put up some points this year. I mean, I, you look in Week One, and I wrote about this in Power Rankings, where their their best quarterback Trey Lance. Let's let's get that out of the way. He's their most talented quarterback. He did not play except for a couple plays there. Uh, you know, Trey Sermon. I think everybody liked what they saw to him at Ohio State. Liked what they saw in preseason. And for whatever reason, he was inactive on Sunday. Brandon Ayuk, one of the 
really, really excited young receivers in the NFL last year. Had a great season. Doesn't get one target, maybe because of a hamstring injury or Trent Sherfield's out playing him, whatever the reason. Three of the 49ers' main offensive players did nothing in that game, and they still scored 41 points on the road. This team has got a really, really high upside. I, I hate taking so many road favorites. I already got the Chiefs, Bills, and the 49ers on my ticket, but I just I don't know that I trust Eagles yet. They look great in week one. I, I've always backed Jalen Hurts more than other people, I think. I thought that he showed some things last year where it's like, yeah, give him a second here. Let's see what we got before going crazy and drafting another quarterback. He looked great. But I'm not there yet, trust-wise, with the Eagles. So it's not a game I feel really strongly about. But I guess if I had to pick a side here, I'll go with 49ers just because I think they might have been telling us last week that they're going to score a ton of points this year. They're going to be a really, really efficient team. I said before the season that I was concerned for fantasy purposes that the Niners might be the team, the really good NFL team, that has the biggest gap between their real-life value and their fantasy value. And we saw just how difficult they were with, with three things that happened opening day, right? They, they scratched Sherman. Ayuk was certainly not an option in the offense. And then Mostert got hurt on a second carry and since come out that he's out for the season with that knee injury. So do you have an angle? Is Are you somebody who's going to be going after Mitchell in free agency? Do you think maybe you know Hasty is the play? Wilson long-term, Sherman <laughs> gets back in good graces. Are we, are we just betting on roulette numbers here? I mean, do you have a, a fantasy morsel of information to tell people, say, hey, I know I know we want part of Kyle Shanahan's offense, but who are we putting our chips on? Right. And and the 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 bad part about this is, especially with Shanahan, and look, I covered his dad as I've talked about it on other podcasts. You never know what the backfield's gonna look like with a with a Shanahan in charge. So I think this goes one of two ways. Either Elijah Mitchell is an absolute league winner for you, or Elijah Mitchell is basically dust in week two when they say, All right, Trey, you're out of the doghouse. Let's go start because you're going to be our guy for the next eight weeks. Well, most are gets better. I, it, it could go either way. It, I, how much about, you know, of my fab money, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting in that about 25% range just because I think if he hits, he's going to put up, I mean, 1200 yards. I, we saw last week, he had so many open lanes in that offense. That just, that, that system just cranks out thousand yard backs. And if he's the one, he's going to be a heck of an ad for you, but I don't know. It could be, you know, you, if you want to go all in on Elijah Mitchell this week and in, in waivers, you might be cutting him next Tuesday because we just don't know from week to week, what we're going to get out of this 49ers backfield. It makes it an incredible risky gamble either way to, to pass on Mitchell, to get him. It could go either way there. How confident are you that Ayuk is going to quickly get back of the good graces here? I have to believe it was an injury thing because Shanahan did talk about, you know, he had the hamstring and I don't know that I've necessarily by a Sherfield outplay them. I mean, that, that just seems weird to me because Ayuk is the, one of the better receivers in the NFL. That guy's just a great talent. I just think that it was one of those. He's just not quite ready. So he's more of a decoy. I, but if he's going to be just sit him out, like, just, you know, I mean, give him another week. Don't let him go out there and run 25 routes or whatever he ran. I think he's going to be fine. I really do. He's just too good to play Trent Shurfield ahead of him. So here's a really fun game. The Raiders at the Steelers, both teams having emotional upset wins in week. I mean, that, that Raider, the atmosphere for that Raiders-Ravens game was awesome. Oh, yeah. It was one of the strangest games. I think when we're totaling up the, the game of the year, I'm not saying that's going to be the game of the year, although it's probably the game of the first week, but I think it's going to be a game we remember. I think it'll be like a top 10 game from the season with all the different lead changes, all the unusual plays, all the times where one team just seemed dead in the water and then they found a way to, to get back into it. So that, that was really enjoyable. But I just have to wonder if the Raiders just kind of shot their emotional load in this yeah, game. Yeah. And now they have to play in the short week at Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh's coming off an emotional win, too. They just toppled Buffalo at Buffalo. Uh, the Steelers in this game are spotting five and a half at home. The total is 48. My feeling is that I think the Raiders just left it all on the field Monday night. And I think they could easily come out flat next week against a defense that might be the best in football. And I don't think the Steelers' offense can probably play as bad as it did in that first. I mean, if nothing else, I think look at Najee Harris going. He did almost nothing in the Buffalo game. But I would think this is a, a Harris smash spot. He goes, oh, I'm going to bet over props on him this week, whether touch touchdown props, yardage props. I like the Steelers minus the five and a half. What say you? I'm going with the road team here and the the points because I don't trust the Steelers offense. I mean, as I was sitting there watching that game and I had, you know, because I'm so invested in the Bills this year and all my future bets, I, you know, I was watching that game really closely. And every time I looked up, I was like, 
Ben looks like he's playing in slow motion. It it was like one of those weird, like he was just playing. It was almost like he was superimposed that he was, you know, like they slowed down the video, you know, of the Ben feed. And he just looked so bad in that game for most of that game. Now he did make a couple throws, but you know, you look, his two biggest plays were the touchdown to Deontay Johnson, which was a poor throw that Deontay Johnson tips up to himself, which was an amazing play. And the other one was Chase Claypool down the sideline where I thought Ben missed that throw and Claypool just, you know, basically climbed the DB like a ladder and came down with it. I don't think Ben looked good at all. I think that's a huge concern. Huge. Look, the 2015 Broncos showed us you can win when you don't have much a quarterback. If you've got a great defense, can run the ball, well coached, all that. Pittsburgh has everything. In my mind, Pittsburgh has everything to win a Super Bowl except the quarterback right now. Ben's had a great career. But this was the same Ben we saw late last season when he hit the wall. I don't think he looked any better. I know they got the win, and good for them. That's a phenomenal win. That that win is going to hold up as one of the best wins in the entire NFL season, I think. But I just don't trust their offense to lay five and a half points. I I don't know. I, I need to see Ben play a little bit better. The Bills' defense did play better than I, I, even I thought they would. They were really good. It kind of overshadowed because they lost, obviously. Bills' defense played good, but at the same time, I, I was really unimpressed with Ben and what he brought. So until I trust that offense a little more, I, I'm not going to be able to lay you know more than a field goal on them. Do you get concerned just that the Raiders played an overtime game and yeah. a Monday game? So it's, it's I just wonder what's left in the reservoir after you have the short week and you play an emotional home opener, and then that it has to go, you know, 70 minutes. Yeah, against the Ravens team, that's always very physical. I mean, that yeah. takes a lot out of you. Obviously, an emotional letdown for the Raiders. I, how could you How could you not have a little bit of a letdown? That, Like you said, that crowd was amazing. They've been waiting for that for a long time. You, you could tell they were really feeding off the crowd, really enjoyed that. They, they are going to let down. And I, 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 can't, I can't sit here and tell you that I, I won't be looking up at the screen and it's 10 zip five minutes into the game, and I, I really regret having the Raiders. But at this point, I just... I think the Raiders played well enough that I, I want to see, you know, I have a little bit of trust in them with a, a relatively big number on the road. And I, I'm willing to fade the Steelers offense a little bit. I think a common bet for some people, if you like the tease play, this might be a good spot to maybe tease the Steelers down to basically a pick them. If you can find or the Raiders team. up or the Raiders. Okay. up. I mean, you get 11 and a half. Hey, hey, that I think, I think this Raiders team might be pretty good. I, I think that Derek Carr played really good football last year. I know he started the first half, poorly yesterday, but he got it cranking and he made some huge throws. Absolutely enormous clutch. If it was anybody other than Derek Carr, we'd be talking a lot more about him today. But there's just this, you know, the narrative's been set for Derek Carr. He's just a guy, right? But I think he I think he's better than people think. I think the offense brings some things to the table. Darren Waller, for all the jokes about, you know, Derek Carr targeting him 20 times or whatever. Well, yeah, he Darren Waller's a really, really good football player. I think they're bringing a, I think they're gonna be better on defense with Gus Bradley running the show there. I think this Raiders team might be sneaky competitive. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but they're gonna be pretty competitive. And maybe they found something that Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards start to make plays late in the game and of course who else but Zay Jones to make the game winning touchdown <laughs> catch uh, helped by some Baltimore defense that didn't seem all that interested in right. covering him okay so the Saints man I'm crafting my Ooh. apology to Sean Payton I yeah, thought he right. was going to have the Bill Belichick 2020 year where you're a great coach but you don't have the pieces to play with they beat the living snot out of the Packers now they're going on the road to play a Panthers team that, you know, all right, they beat the Jets. I, I, they looked okay. I mean, I don't know what you really need to do to beat this Jets team right now. The Saints are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Total is 44-and-a-half. Which way are you leaning on Saints-Panthers? Uh, you know what? This is one of those I can't overreact to week one. I think that this is the line that's just screaming, hey, please take me. We're the New Orleans Saints. We just won 38-3. We're amazing. Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns. You're only having to lay three and a half. Come to the window. Take the Saints. I can't do it. I, I got to take the Panthers here. I think that I think the Panthers' defense was the most underrated unit of week one. They were really getting after it. Look, the Jets' offensive line might just be terrible, and, and, and that's fine. I get that. But the Panthers have really invested a lot of young guys in that in that defense. They signed a couple of veterans to bring some leadership. And you could see they were running around. They were, they played fast. They really got after the quarterback. They, made, they really made life difficult for Zach Wilson in game one. Again, Jets' offensive line, yeah, they're not good. But I I really liked what I saw to the Panthers. Obviously, McCaffrey's back, healthy, put up 100, the quietest, like 180 yards you're ever going to see. But he's uh, he's Christian McCaffrey. He can do that. They have weapons. I, I, don't, I didn't love the way Sam Darnold played. I probably never will. But, you know, he's at least competent. I just think this is the one game on the board where 
if you're if you're asking anybody who you know just it doesn't take this as seriously, think about it twenty four seven like me and you. It's like, oh, Saints are going to kill them. Did did you see what they did to the Packers? It just screams trap game to me. I, I and just in that alone, I got to take the Panthers. Yeah, I love the angle with the Carolina defense. You know, a young unit that's starting to come along, and it's just when you look at the Panthers, it's just easy to get bamboozled by all the star power they have on offense because McCaffrey's the number one fantasy pick. DJ Moore is his star receiver. Robbie Anderson had his moments last year and had a long touchdown against the Jets. This defense has a chance to be really, really good. Yeah, it's much better than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And and maybe maybe the Saints, it's just a matter of, and I know people always say, oh, momentum doesn't, doesn't matter and everything, but maybe the Saints just hit the Packers with a couple of body blows early in the game and the Packers were just dazed. And that game was over, like almost before it even got started. Right. And, the and you also you think about this, Scott, too. I mean, you know, for all I thought that the, the being displaced by the hurricane would be a bad thing, it usually is, right? Like that you're having your life up, uh, upheaval in your life. But Sean Payton's such a good coach, such a good motivator. He can get those guys to focus. He can say, you know, the world's against us. Everything's against us. We got to focus. We got to. And, and, you know, does that work for two straight weeks? I don't know, maybe, but I think that there could be an emotional letdown there. I thought the Saints really focused in this game. They put they used all of the potential distractions almost to their advantage to say, you know, it's us against the world. Don't we'll, you know? I, I thought they came out and really played a great game because I I wonder if they had thought all week, you know, everything the deck stacked against us. We have to play harder. You, you've seen teams respond to stuff like that before in a, in a positive way. I thought the Saints did. Now could they do it twice in a row? I think I think that's a legitimate question, and we'll see. Maybe maybe we're writing another apology letter to Sean Payton on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to bet emotional bet, bet and flow with my handicapping, and it just screams out, I have to take the Panthers after the Saints just emptied it all out last week. And again, I thought the Panthers on defense, we'll see how much of that was the Jets. I think this is a unit on the come. Uh, the last of our quote-unquote marquee games, let's talk about the Rams spotting four at the Colts. I feel like if the Colts are going to be anything this year, not that losing Seattle is – you know, shame, shameful things. Seahawks are a pretty good team. Russell Wilson's a pretty good player. Yeah. And it was fun to watch that offense without uh, without Brian Schottenheimer holding it back. You know, Shane Waldron, it just seemed they're doing some fun stuff. But I can't imagine the Colts can lose two straight road games, albeit to NFC West teams. That's probably the best division in football. I think this is a game they really need. The Rams probably feeling pretty good about themselves after taking care of that Bears team. The Rams are spotting four on the road, 47.5 total. Just I have to take the Colts and think, that they're going to push all the chips in. This is a game they have to have. If they're and granted, you know, the first place team in that division is the Houston Texans, so nobody's running away from them. I get it, <laughs> no. but I feel like this is a critical game early for the Colts, and, and I think they'll show up. I maybe the Rams win a close game, maybe the Colts can spring the upset. I could only take the home underdog here. Yeah, very much agreed with you. I, I'm already on the Colts money line. I, I look, I the Colts were a team I really liked in the offseason. I wrote about them, talked about them. Then that terrible August. I get it. Like, I mean, the injuries and COVID and everything that could have gone against them. So I kind of cooled my enthusiasm on Indianapolis, but I haven't given up on him completely yet. I still think Frank Reich is an almost an underrated coach at this point. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. And I thought in that game, look, if you watch the Seahawks game, hey, look at the final score and, they, you know, the, the, the Seahawks covered fairly easily. You probably thought that they kind of walked all over him, but, I, you know, they didn't. Russell made a couple huge plays in that game. Other than that, you know, you know, other, you know, the, the, how's the play, Mrs. Lincoln? But uh, you know, other than that, I thought play by play, the Colts were right there with him. I thought Carson Wentz played okay. I thought he did exactly what, you know, he wasn't bad. He wasn't good. That's exactly what I need out of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz MVP candidate is never coming back. That guy don't work here no more. But Carson Wentz could be an average quarterback. Yeah, under Frank Reich, he sure can. They let Tyler Lockett get behind them with a minute left to go in the first half. That changed the entire tenor of the game. And, you know, Russ made some a, a few plays. He only threw, I think, 25 passes in that game. But he made plays when he had to, and those were the difference. But I don't think the Colts were out. They didn't look outgunned to me. They didn't. They weren't overmatched by any means. And I think they bounced back. And like you said, huge game for them. They know they don't want to go 0-2 with two home losses. That, that would be a miserable way to start the season, no matter how bad the Titans are in that division. So I think the Colts come out. This is a big game for them. I think they play well. They're going to be better coached. Uh, and, you know, hey, if the Rams could go on the road and win and cover in this game, I'll tip my cap and say I, I was wrong kind of being a little lukewarm on the Rams coming into the season, which I was. I'll tip my cap and say this is a Super Bowl contender because this would be an impressive win, to, you know, to go 2-0 to start the season. Yeah, I think Bill Parcells used to always say he always leaned towards the more desperate team, especially if it's a team that has infrastructure you believe in. 
And I share the opinion of Frank Reich that you do. We're talking to Frank Schwab on our Tuesday Handicapping Podcast. Now we're going to go to the remainder of the, the Sunday games because we can't talk for two hours on this stuff. We'll go a little bit quicker. No, we could. We could, Scott. We could. We could. I know we're going to get off this podcast. I'm going to text you. Hey, yeah, what do you the, really think? Yeah, the producers don't like that. But anyway, we're going to be a little bit tighter as best we can on the rest of, uh, I guess, the seven games left on Sunday. The Andy Dalton Bowl. Uh, the Bengals yeah. fresh off their overtime win over Minnesota. I thought their offense looked really good. That's one of the big week one takeaways. It's the Bears team that really didn't show a lot. Go, LA Rams had something to say about that. The Bears are three-point favorites. It's 45 on the over-under. What do you make of Bengals-Bears? Uh, easily Bengals here for me. Easily. I, I think the Bears are a mess. I think that the whole Andy Dalton starts week one thing, They've. I think they've lost the locker room. I, I, I at least could see the possibility that that's happened. Players know, man. Players, we've heard that enough times. They know who the better guys are. And when Matt Nagy trots out Andy Dalton there – uh, they just know what we, we can't win. We're we're starting our second best quarterback. What, what are we doing here? I and, and unless you know maybe they go to Justin Fields in this game. I don't think that, that that's been announced or even rumored yet. That might change my mind. But if it's Andy Dalton, give me the Bengals. I thought they looked good in Week One. Mixon looked really good. Jamar Chase, all of that nonsense before the season. You know he goes for a hundred yards, has a nice touchdown. I thought Burrow looked a lot more comfortable than I, I anticipated. The Bears' defense was just kind of, a, you know, it was a three-ring circus at times. They were just letting guys run around in the secondary, wide open, not tackling guys, not touching guys down, not Van Jefferson on the first touchdown. I thought the Bears just looked like a sloppy, disinterested team. I wonder how the Andy Dalton thing is affecting that locker room. Give me the Bengals, I, and it's not even close for me. Yeah, I agree that there's like an emotional dishonesty when you're starting the wrong quarterback, and also. When players get the smell that maybe the coach isn't going to be there for long, it becomes an easy excuse, right? Oh, how are we supposed to win with the, the wrong guy coaching us? You know, and, and then I, I just think that puts a stench over a team. And I love that the big Bengals fourth down conversion in overtime was was um, Burrow checking out of a run oh, play what a, and what going a to a st- pass. I mean, if if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you if you you know you knew the backstory of that and that he switched out and called the exact right play at the exact right time and hit his third read on the play, you're looking and you're saying, "We got the guy. We got our guy." We, I mean, I know it's just one play and it's I don't want to make too much of it, but he obviously played last well last year too. But that play alone, you you look and you say. Here's a guy. We we hit it. We we got the right guy at quarterback. Finally, I think you really wanted to see Burrow show up in Week One. You want to see Chase do something after a terrible summer where he, he couldn't catch a cold, and even Joe Mixon. You know, now he's the team captain. He's being asked to carry a heavy workload. All three of those guys, I thought, played really well in Week One and against the Minnesota team that's not a patsy. I mean, I don't I don't no, know how good the Vikings I, I still are, think but they're going like to be pretty good. I, th- I still, like they beat honestly, a bad team. Scott, I still think they're going to be pretty good, and I, yeah, that so, was a quality win for the Bengals. So let's both lean on the Bengals there. Uh, the Texans, 1-0 Texans, the uh, the NFC South leading Texans, go to Cleveland. <laughs> Man, I don't know what Cleveland had to do to get that game salted away. I joke that the, the Browns studied all, all month for their term paper and got a B. Uh, the Chiefs just showed up the last night and, and somehow got an A. I feel like the Browns had that game and gave it away. And that's turning into a really fun rivalry. I know you were talking about that with Charles Robinson on the, the excellent podcast that you guys do together. I want to take the Browns here in theory, but man, 12 and a half is a lot of points. Maybe the Texans aren't a punching bag. Maybe they're just another four and 13, five and 12 team, as opposed to like the one and 16 joke that most people were expecting. I see big points. Usually I want to take them, but I, I, I feel like the Browns are just, just show up with class and, and control this game. So I'm struggling because I just don't like giving 12 and a half. What do you do with this game? 47 and a half is the total, by the way. Yeah, I hate taking double digit favorites in the NFL, but this one screams out to me. I think the Browns are going to be a little angry that they lost last week. Now, it could be an emotional letdown. It could be, look, that was a game they had circled. We, hey, here's, we lost this, this team in the playoffs. We get to go right back. We're going to beat Kansas City. You know, you're up 14 zip at some point. You can't put the game away. That You, you could let down the next week, especially when you're a 12 and a half point favorite. But I'm not buying the Texans. I, I need to see it again. Look, David Culley might be the, the the next Bruce Arians, a guy who gets a shot late in his career and is a, an incredible head coach. But I'm not buying it yet. I still don't see the talent there. I just think that the Jaguars were so bad in week one that the Texans look good by, you know, just because they were standing next to them. I'm not buying it yet. I'll take the Browns minus 12 and a half. And, and, you know, I'll reassess the Texans if they can go in and compete against a really, really talented team. We know one of Bill Pelichick's favorite things to do is to beat the New York Jets. He likes to beat anybody, but I think a little extra juice in a Jets game. Patriots on the road spotting five and a half to the Jets. Total is 43. What are you doing with this one? 
I, I mean, I, I assume we're both on the Patriots here, right? I mean, Bill Belichick, you're going to hear this stat a million times this week, 21 and six against rookie quarterbacks. And, and there's a reason for it. I, I thought the Patriots played fairly well last week, even in a home loss to a division team. I, I thought that Mac Jones did some good things. He showed he belongs. He showed that, yeah, they made the right choice. They, you know, they settled for a lot of field goals instead of punching them in. They had a couple bad turnovers. But I, I think that this Patriots team is going to be really good. The Jets' offensive line stinks, and they, you know they lost Becton for a few weeks here, and that's not going to make it any better. This line came out, I think it was minus three and a half, and it just jumped up immediately. I, I didn't grab it. I should have, because this Patriots team is, I, I they ain't losing two in a row. I, I just, I'd be shocked if that happens, especially against a Jets team that really, what did they do to impress you week one? I mean, they they just came out and, you know, they look like a young team that's still a long way away, a team that, you know, started last season 0-13 or whatever it was. I, Patriots easy here for me. I I can't look. I mean, it, it seems so square, but I can't imagine taking the Jets here. Yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots too. I may, I may also punch them on a tease ticket. I want to say that Mac Jones looked poised. I thought his pocket awareness was excellent. I thought his touch on certain throws was excellent decision-making. I don't know that he has the physical gifts maybe to be a special player, but I think he's going to be like an eight or 10-year starter. I think he's going to have a really nice NFL career and they have to feel pretty happy about that. So the Broncos, they took care of business. Vic Fangio finally got the September win he's been searching for his whole life. Now they're spotting six points at the Jaguars. We early talked about Urban Meyer and who knows how long this is going to last. Have the Broncos earned the right to spot six on the road? It's a 45-point total. Uh, what are you doing with this one? Broncos are nothing. I can't imagine back in the Jaguars again as long as Urban Meyer's a coach, really. Like, I mean, what a disaster that was. You go in, and I look, I'm not sold on the Texans yet. Maybe they're going to turn out to be a good team. You know, who knows? But I still think that that is the worst roster in football, one of the worst rosters I've, I've seen in a while, to be honest. And the Jacksonville Jaguars look like a team that had no plan. Just Urban Meyer's in over his head. He's a bad hire. We know it already. Every game he coaches for the Jacksonville Jaguars from here on out is just wasting time with Trevor Lawrence. I cannot in any good conscience take the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though I would I would love to sit here and tell you that, oh, this is an overreaction. We've got a home team that's get, getting six points and Broncos going back to the East Coast for a second straight week. I can't do it. It's either Broncos or nothing because I have zero faith in Urban Meyer figuring anything out week to week. I think this team is just going to be the worst coach team in the NFL until he gets fired. It's entirely possible he doesn't make it through the season. And I, I don't know who offers props like that, but I'm going to be searching to see if I can find some. <laughs> uh, so the Vikings found a way to lose in overtime. At Cincinnati, now they're playing a Cardinals team. Man, did Kyler Murray look like an MVP candidate? He looked fantastic. The book on him has always been, yeah, great runner, great highlight guy, but can he play from the pocket? I thought he made all the throws in that Tennessee game, and Chandler Jones was just a sack machine. The Cardinals are four-and-a-half-point favorites. It's a 51-point total. I just think the Cardinals are getting so much credit for how they looked that this line maybe got a little bit bloated. I think you're getting some line value with the Vikings, so Minnesota's my lean. What say you? Yeah, I think this is a week one overreaction type of line. I think it's too high. I'll be on the Vikings, and I'll wait because I think the line for the Cardinals is going to get higher because we're going to talk all week about how great the Cardinals looked. And they did. They they were fantastic in week one. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the best players on the planet. The defense looked really, really good. I mean, it, they did everything to shut down the Titans in that game. But at the same time, I, I, I still believe in the Vikings being a good team. They have a lot of high-end talent. They have a good coach. I, I believe in Mike Zimmer. I think they're going to play a lot better week two. I think this is a very least a, a close game. Maybe, you know, I, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Vikings pulled off the upset Cliff Kingsbury is not a guy I really like backing. Maybe he'll change my mind by midseason. Who knows? But uh, I, yeah, Vikings. Vikings here just because I think this is a little bit of over, a little bit of an overreaction. You know, I hate giving double digit points, but the Falcons did almost nothing right in Week One, oh. and the Buccaneers did a lot. And look, they and ultimately eked out a win over Dallas, but that could have been a double digit win. You know, the Godwin fumble at the goal line. There were some other turnovers. Uh, the Bucks are spotting 12 and a half here. It's a 52 point over under. I really don't know what to do because I don't want to take Atlanta, but I hate giving this many points. What are you going to do with Atlanta, Tampa Bay? I don't know. I, I really don't because I'm in the same boat as you where I want to take the I want to take the Falcons. It's a lot of points. Maybe we're overreacting how bad they looked at week one, but they've looked really bad in week one. I, Matt Ryan looked like, uh, you know, see how much has he got left? That, that's how bad he looked in that game. Kyle Pitts was surprisingly just kind of an afterthought. Uh, you know, he didn't do much at all. Calvin Ridley, you know, he started the game. I think he had three catches on the first drive, and he kind of just left. He just went away after that. I, I mean, how does that happen to to Arthur Smith, who's supposed to be a smart offensive coach, that 
Pitts, you got Pitts, you got Ridley, and neither one of those guys make any impact against the Eagles defense is not scaring anybody. It was a concerning game at very least. I, I might be on the Falcons just as far as like picking them in, our, in the pool we're in or whatever, but I can't imagine betting on this game. I just, I, I can't really get behind either side here. Yeah, it's probably what I'll do. I'll pick Atlanta, but I, I won't be putting any, any nickels on this game. And the final game on the Sunday slate that we have yet to discuss Tennessee, another team that just showed you it's worth side in an opening day loss against Seattle, who had a solid but but maybe not spectacular win against Indianapolis. Maybe that game just looks better because the touchdowns were so pretty, but maybe from a snap-to-snap basis, Seattle didn't play all that great. Seahawks at home are spotting 5.5 to 54.5 total. Out of respect to Mike Vrabel and to still the infrastructure of, of the Titans, I know they've changed coordinators and maybe Todd Downing isn't somebody we're going to like that much. They weren't running a lot of play action in week one, and that's been one of their staples in recent seasons. But I got to figure the Titans have too much pride, too much talent, too much just a roster that I respect that I, I figure we get their best effort here. And Seattle, if they win, it's not going to be by a lot. I, I think Tennessee shows up this week. I have to take the points. Yep, same here. I, I mean, this was a game where, yeah, I, you know, I it's, you, you always worry that, especially week two, that you're just going to feel really, really dumb by halftime. That you're going to say, what, the, ten- the Tennessee Titans were trying to tell me they're terrible last week. The Tennessee Titans were trying to tell me, do not bet on me this year. You don't want any part of me, but I did it anyway. But I'm going to do it because, again, I don't want to completely overreact. The Titans are a team coming into the year I, I liked. I didn't love because I don't think their defense is very good. But at very least, they should be able to run the ball, which they couldn't do last week with Derrick Henry. They should be able to get some explosive plays with Julio and AJ, and they didn't do that last week. I think they're going to block better. I think that offensive line is going to be put on notice this week. Like you said, Vrabel's a good coach. I think Tannehill is a good quarterback. I think that you know this is nothing against Seattle Seahawks, who I think are very good. Russ Wilson's a god. Pete Carroll wins 10 games every single year. But in this game, I think you see the Titans' best effort. Just like, just exactly what you said. I think that if, you know, it, it's not going to, you're not going to feel good. You're not going to sleep all at night after punching that Titans ticket because they just looked so bad last week. But I think there's value here. I think the Titans, we're going to get a much, much better effort out of them. I mean, Chandler Jones just demolished the Tennessee offensive line. Oh, I don't see Seattle having that type of player. And so Tannehill should have some time to, to settle in with his receivers. And you know, this total, 54 and a half, Tennessee, as you said, that defense has all sorts of problems. Imagine if this is the year that DK Metcalf actually maybe adds some nuance to his route running. You know, I mean, think of how great that guy could be. I think Tyler Lockett was was underdrafted all summer with his ADP, the narrow tree that, that Seattle employs. I have a bunch of fantasy interest in this game, and I'll probably be DFSing a lot of guys here as well. Well, you know, we're putting a lot of betting advice into the Yahoo platforms this year. We know it's, it's legal in more places. Again, we thank BetMGM, our partner, for giving us the line today. And be sure, if this is stuff that you're interested in, you want more content like this, be sure to just subscribe to the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily on your podcast platform of choice. It'll be more Frank Schwab to come later in the week, giving you hopefully some winners in week two. And uh, get social with us on Twitter, Scott underscore Pianowski. That's my handle for uh, Yahoo Schwab, S-C-H-W-A-B is how you can get Frank. And if you want to talk some fantasy with us, Yahoo Fantasy is how you can get us there on Twitter. Thank Frank for his intel today. We thank producer John for keeping us on the air and sounding good. Matt and Dalton are back. Stat Nerd Thursday. They're going to be giving you all the extra intel you need. Stats, advanced metrics, all that good stuff. That's the language those guys speak. They'll give you a special preview of the Giants-Washington football team game. And they better say WFT or else I want you to come at them hard and tell them that they're completely wrong. Until then, for Frank, for John, I'm Scott Pianowski, straight cash homie. We'll talk to you soon.